You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. Hey, what's up, good people? Our kids are lucky to grow up in the era of the internet where information is available right at their fingertips. But sometimes the internet and even in-school curriculums leave our kids with more questions and they look to us for the answers. The Ellis's in the Time Machine is a book for kids and adults that answers the questions our kids have been asking all year. Why do we say black lives matter? We answer this question while looking back at American history through the eyes of our young black children. Get your kids a copy of the Ellis's in the Time Machine. Why do we say black lives matter? Available now at Amazon.com. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married. Yes, sir, we mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. So um, this this story time is uh very important to me. 
because this story time will bring everybody to the point in my life when I realized that my blackness mattered to to me and to everybody else. I remember walking into the living room when I was seven, eight years old. My parents were sitting in the on the couch where they typically are, but my mom looked a little bit more pensive. You know when your parents are typically on the couch and you're like, I don't know if they're fighting or not. So let me <laughs> ease my way in there. We know what that's like as married right. people now. Okay. So I walk in there and it seems a little tense. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to sit in here. But I see my mom doing the, the, the church rock. You know, you do the church rock. <laughs> so I'm like, what's she looking at? I look on, on TV and I see the video playing. It was a grainy video of a man just being beaten with, with sticks and rods. And I was like, yo, who, who are they beating like that? And... My mom was just like, you know, we're not sure yet. And I said, well, who, you know, who's beating that man like that? And he's like, it's the police. So I was like, yo, they're going to get in trouble. Like, they're on camera beating somebody. Like, this, they're going to get in trouble. And I seen the uncertainty in my mom's eyes when I said that. And she, you know, she kind of gave me the, and then she was just like, you know, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, you know, months later, um, we're watching the news and, my mom is real pensive again. Of course, I'm not old enough to understand what's going on, but I see her this time. She's pensive. Her eyes are a little watery. She's talking to my father. My father's, you know, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. They, they start calling my aunts and my uncles. And I can't, I remember hearing them saying, they, can you believe they got off? Mm. And I was like, what? Yep. How? And it was at that point that my mom had to explain to me what the situation was in America with black people and the police. And it was at that point where she started talking to me about everything had trans- that had transpired prior to where we are now. And I remember feeling mad. I remember feeling like I couldn't trust white people. And then I remember being hurt mm-hmm. that someone would consider me less than because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I realized what my blackness was in America. So when I think about your story time and mm-hmm. the feelings that you felt, it feels as though a piece of innocence is is taken from you. Like yes. you're, you're robbed of a yes. certain carefree yes. living that you once had. And to think that we have to have these conversations with our children at eight and nine years old or as whatever age you feel like they can comprehend it, right. it was something that was heartbreaking just for us. So Deval and I did plan to have the conversation with the boys um, at the time it was because Jackson. Because all black parents plan on having that conversation having the conversation exactly and i remember the two of us being very like teary-eyed about having to even do that and wondering when the right time was going to be so considering everything our our, i felt like our hand was forced and it came down to um deval sitting the boys down of course with me um and having the talk so what was going through your mind like leading up to those moments i mean to be honest it it caught me off guard because first as a parent i'm trying to process it Mm -hmm. you know we had armand aubrey get shot in broad daylight, mm-hmm. he's gunned down. Then we had the Breonna Taylor story come out. Mm-hmm. Then we watched George Floyd be murdered at mm-hmm. the hands of a cop. So if, my first thing is I'm just I'm fucking pissed. Like I don't right. I don't want to have to sit down and compartmentalize, taking this anger and putting it aside so I can then speak to my child. What made me even more angry was that my eight year old is is now asking me questions mm-hmm. about why everyone is so angry. Mm-hmm. You know why did the cop do that? And I'm like oh my gosh now I have to try to explain to him what is going on. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reminded me of when I had to explain to him about Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, when you're a parent, there's a certain level of innocence you try to protect because you don't want to tell your, your kids the truth. And then once that innocence is gone, you see them, like, lose hope. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was like, damn, 
we had the Santa Claus talk. You know, he cried about that. <laughs> that was heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking. You know, regardless of how it you was. feel about Santa Claus or religion, Santa. it was a way for them to be happy. That's all I cared about, you right. know. So now he's asking me questions, and I'm explaining to him the way my mom explained it to me. We started mm-hmm. with history. We went, we went back to slavery, and then from slavery right. we went to the Civil War, and the Civil War we went to Jim Crow. And, right. And I went through the whole gamut. See, not to cut you off, but... I think it was super important that we take the approach as parents to mm-hmm. bring the historical, yes. factual yes. information behind yes. it when approaching this, the talk about Absolutely. racism. It's not just based off of feelings or just, oh, I just don't like you because of your skin color. Like right. There are systems in place yes. that will keep yes. us down. You yes. know what I mean? So us as parents realized that it was important for us to do right. that. To, to make it about facts and about history so the children know that this is not just something that's going off of emotion. Right. And I remember, you know, the way we teach our kids now is differently than our parents taught us. Mm-hmm. Our parents still taught us with a way of trying to protect us. But, you know, my mom, I remember my mom saying to me, everything that happened in the country happened, you know, since slavery. Mm-hmm. But then she also said there are certain people in the world who are just evil. Mm-hmm. And... To hear that kind of left things abstract for me and had me thinking that people just didn't like me because of my blackness, Mm -hmm. which there are some people who are just evil. Mm -hmm. But what I did differently was I I explained Jackson through economics and said the reason why they marginalized black people from slavery Mm -hmm. to uh, Jim Crow well, to mass incarceration was to make money. Yeah, to leverage. So then the, it kind of gives yeah. him a reason as to why things were happening. And I, I saw it like a light bulb kind of go off. Right, right, right. Wait a minute. So all this has to do with money. I'm saying, yes, it's classism. Mm-hmm. But no one just doesn't like, like they didn't just, God didn't just, because I remember having this this feeling. Mm-hmm. If God is real, and I remember being nine years old and saying, if God is real, why would he choose my people to be oppressed? Mm-hmm. If God loves us, why would he allow us to go through all of this pain? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile that at right. nine. So then you start right. to have those feelings of God can't be real because right. God would not allow us as people to be tortured here on earth. Then you he were should in Sunday in. school questioning everything. I was in Sunday and they were school like, question- get this kid out of here. Where did he come from? <laughs> I questioned everything in Sunday school. <laughs> the blasphemy. And I got in trouble. Uh-huh. But it all started from that. Like, right. you know, having to hear that my people were chosen to be slaves. And it was just like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, and then. You know, they tell us about the Hebrews being slaves Mm -hmm. and they sent Moses to save them. And I'm like, well, y'all sent Dr. King and they killed him. So, like, so that means we stuck in Mm -hmm. this? Like, these are the things that are happening in my mind until I started to educate myself as I got older. And I want to approach Jackson with the same type of education so he can reconcile within themselves and come to terms with the fact that there is a reason why things are. And it's not just just because of hate. Because it really isn't just because of hate. And we also talked about the context of which our children's experience will be with race now that we've moved cross-country from Brooklyn, New York, to, you know, California. It's just... It's such a different experience for our children now, um, just based off of the schooling that they're they're experiencing differences with that. Um, Jackson, of course, because he's enrolled, he was in the fourth grade now, but um, not being in a diverse class situation, which he was in Brooklyn. He was the only black child. He's the only black child in his class. You know what I mean? So there's always the, the, the... the conversation has to be had when he's the only one, of course, because yes. he didn't experience that coming from Brooklyn. His right. school was super diverse. That's what right. Brooklyn is. We're a huge melting pot. We're known to be that in New York. Right. So we um, actually have someone coming on shortly, our guest today, um, who is going to speak with us a little bit more about uh, 
unpacking racism and how we can do that with our children I'm in excited. order to educate them. And I think it's it's an amazing thing for sure um, to be able to bring somebody in who's kind of like an expert. Yes. On because we yes. get so many people asking questions and like you know how did you, after we did the conversation with Jackson and we decided to record it and we decided to put it on our YouTube channel and it went viral. And it went viral. A lot of people were asking about you know like wow I can't believe you guys recorded that. And I will say I was very apprehensive at, at first because I do still feel like a lot of things I want right. to keep personal and I always laugh and joke and say that we're the most personal private people private, private right. public people because there's a lot of things that we don't share you know right. but I think um, that had to be shared it because had to be though I got a lot of feedback from even some white families mm -hmm. who were like I have never in my life thought about having to have that conversation with mm -hmm. my kids mm -hmm. and having to see what it did to them mm -hmm. was eye-opening yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because when when in history have we ever really seen a black dad having the, the, the talk with his sons mm -hmm. and you seeing the emotional aspect of them breaking down and crying? Yeah. yeah. Typically when they show the talk, it's like the proud talk. This is what you have to do when the son gets angry and he walks out and he feels confident that he can conquer the world. Right. Nah, that should be traumatizing. Yeah. You hear that and you're like, what? Yeah. So I could literally just be out minding my business and if a cop approaches me and is having a bad day, mm -hmm. I could be murdered and nothing may happen. And it's like, yes, that's the reality in America. Mm -hmm. People will villainize you. If you're murdered, if you're an unarmed black man and you get murdered by a police officer, there is a large probability that the media will villainize you mm -hmm. regardless of what your history is to make sure that it seems as if it's okay mm -hmm. that you were murdered and it's unfair. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of what we have to tell our boys. So here to help us understand why it's important to have these conversations with our children and give us some tips on what to say, because I think right. that's the biggest issue is what do we say to these poor babies of ours? We have Amber Coleman Mortley. Amber, how are you? I am doing well, or as best as you can during these times. How are y'all? Absolutely. We're doing well. We're doing well Can't well. complain. Amber is the Director of Social Engagement at EdTech nonprofit iCivics parenting expert and a mom of three and on her blog mom of all capes she covers practical strategies for parenting in social emotional development and most recently amber has been having conversations about how we can acknowledge what's going on around us on the podcast that she hosts with her kids let's k-12 better thank you so much for coming back again with this amber we had a couple technical difficulties last time but yes this was definitely a topic and a conversation that i felt was so absolutely necessary that i said to deval and the team we have to have amber back on yes. so thank you for the repeat no thank you guys i'm huge fans of y'all like i think you guys are doing amazing things out here so i'm honored that you guys have asked me back so thank you so very much pleasure is all no mine. doubt Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, we've been just talking a little bit about, you know, um, the current times, racism, mm -hmm. how it's been affecting our children, um, what's going on in the country right now, because mm -hmm. so many of us have children who are aware of the fact that something is happening. So, mm -hmm. um, so Amber, what is the approach that you feel um, parents should be taking when it comes to having the conversations about racism with their children? 
Yeah. So first and foremost, age appropriate honesty, right? Um, you know, you want to make sure that you are honest and open with your kids. You want to also make sure that you're vulnerable with your kids. Like it's okay mm. to expose your feelings a little bit about, you know, how you feel about what's going on. Um, you also want to center your identity. So, you know, black parents centering their identity, non-black parents of color centering their identity, white parents centering their identity um, to talk about these issues issues with our kids to make them more real and then also to ensure that our kids are connecting because these are serious um, concerns right. that all of us have right right right, mm-hmm. right? so we want to make sure that you know we're not only just being vulnerable and touchy-feely but we're also like you know being practical as well they are kids so we don't want right. to overwhelm them with too much information um, but we want to give them the space to talk right with us in right. in, in, a, in a vulnerable way you know, you know what I've learned in during this time is giving people grace to mm-hmm. understand because even though my wife is black and her parents are but her mom is black, her dad is Indian, they come from a different culture. So mm-hmm. even in trying to get them to understand what black Americans have gone through on this soil, to me there was there was a little bit of gap and we talked about this in culture clash. Yeah. When it came time to have the talk with Jackson and, and Kay kind of like shut down a little bit because she was pissed. Like she just didn't want to talk to anybody about it. So I had to give her grace in knowing that my wife is also dealing with the fact that she's watching, you know, black men and women be murdered in the street. She got a husband and she got kids. Mm-hmm. So she, the way right. she wants to discuss it may not be the same as the way I want to discuss it. Right. So how important is it to give your partner grace when trying to find a way to articulate that to your kids together? Because that's what we went through. We spent yeah. weeks trying to figure it out before we actually. Yeah, did and it. I think it was for me too. I was just, ve- I was just, of course, very upset, very emotional about it, and I know that mm-hmm. children can pick up on that. So I had to find a way to center my emotions so that way I wasn't a whole basket case because. Because then, of course, it's going to feed off onto the children. They're going to worry. Like, mom seems to be super, you know, upset right now. So how is it that, you know, we're going to get past this? I felt like that was going to be a question Jackson would have for me. I think that that's something that, especially within the black community, we forget the diversity of experiences, right, within the black community. You know, like my kid's father, he's from Trinidad and Tobago. So same thing, right? Like he's from mixed race heritage. So he's got a lot going on in his head right now about this moment. And providing your partner grace, but also like speaking truth to power, right? Like, you know, devout telling to Kaneen, right? Like, this is how I'm viewing this moment right now. And this is why I'm experiencing it this way. And, you know, laying it out, right? Like having a history lesson together, watching Eyes Mm -hmm. on the Prize together, right? Like learning about the Black American experience and relearning about about the Black American experience together is one way that you guys can grow closer. Because Again, there's a diversity of experiences. You know, I'm fortunate to live in a community where there's 72 different countries represented at my Mm -hmm. kid's school. So I know like in those different homes, like people are having all of these different like ways of grappling with what's going on in the world, um, Mm -hmm. very different from my own, right? And I have to allow even my friends, you know, and associates to have that space to process and say, how does this, impact me personally right how does this impact what i already know right how does this challenge what i already know right about america and about growing up in america and and america being this place of great promise etc right Right. that we hear right you know so yeah you you do need to have that space in your home and outside of your home to give people time to process and then the learning process has to be communal and familial 
Yes. So so I have a question, right? And mm-hmm. this is where I, I struggled. I used to always ask Kay every time I had a conversation with Jackson, did you think I've gone too far? Mm-hmm. Do you think I've told him too much? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be 100% honest. As a black man, I'm not afraid of making my son cry. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to go, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I was talking to Kay the other day. Jackson can't go to martial arts. He can't go to jujitsu because of COVID. So now I have to manufacture adversity, right? <laughs> so we've been doing pull-ups, push-ups, and squats, right? So we have this thing where it's called Gimme Two, where, you know, he punched me in the stomach twice. I punch him in the stomach twice. So he's actually getting big and strong. So the two times I punch him in the stomach, he don't even flinch. So I'm like, I'm going to hit him and see if he can take it. So I hit him, boom, and he crumbled over. But then he got up, and I was like, you better not cry. Right? So I'm like, you better not cry. So he didn't cry. I said, you got to learn how to suck it up and compartmentalize when you have people around. So I said, so now, you know, you, you, you got it together. He said, yeah, I got it together. So I said, come with me. We went to my bedroom. I said, do you want to let it out? Do you want to let the cry out? So he's just like, yes, I do. So finally, he breaks down to my arms. He, he cries, right? And I'm like, yo, it's good for you to be able to cry in a safe space where it's me and you. But you as a black man do not have the liberty to be emotional and reactionary in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm done with all of that. And then I, I go and I was like, okay, do you think I went too far? How as a parent do you know when you've gone too <laughs> far? Like, I don't know. You don't. You don't know till they're grown out of your house and like sitting on somebody's sofa getting like counseling. Like, honestly, <laughs> God, you don't. Like, I look at my daughters every day and I'm like, I'm, mommy's just doing the best she can. You know, right, like, right. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, mommy's got her own issues and baggage too. Right, right. <laughs> I would say this. Like, as far like, you know, kudos to y'all raising like young black men in America mm. during this time right now. Like my sister's also raising black boys. And I'm like, every day I'm like, I don't know how y'all are doing this. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, any black child right at this moment, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how we're doing it. Right. We right. got to do what we got to. I think the most important thing is establishing with your sons and I'll say with the listeners with your children is that you love them and that you are a place of refuge right you're not in an enabling right. place you're not a place right. of enablement right. but you're a place right. of refuge like you mm-hmm. my arms like are always that. open I can come to you you know I, I'm here for you right I'm not always going to make it easy for you right but I'm always going to make sure that you know that you are loved in this space for who you in are. This space. Yep. Right. And no matter no matter who you grow up to be, you're gonna be loved here. Right. So that's yeah. the number one thing, which I think y'all already do with okay. your kids. And then mm-hmm. secondly, like with adversity and challenges, you know, I we're athletes and we're not doing sports right now. So it's hard. Right. It is so right. hard. Right. <laughs> like like you're right. just no, that like, is the truth. That that is the truth. Cause if he was if he right. was in jujitsu or karate. I wouldn't right. be hitting him in the stomach to test him and see if he could take it. I'd let him go with his peers and have maybe his like maybe matches. run the mile, maybe run the mile instead. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, like I like I'll run my kids and I'll say, uh-huh. "This is the time that you need to make it in." No, like right. I'm not making. There's no excuses. You know, get down and back. You know, down the neighborhood and then back in this time period. And if you don't, then here's ten extra sit ups and push ups. You know, right. so that mm-hmm. that right. pushes them a little bit. That that puts the goals in their mind. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, within America, as it's constructed right now in this point in history, there is no space for black children to unfortunately be soft and vulnerable, which I say find, it again. Yep. Say you it know, again. Like, I'll say it one more time. There is within this space right now in America, historically, contemporarily up to this point, there has not been a space that has allowed black children to be vulnerable, to be soft, to be mm-hmm. compassionate, to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 
and I, I hate to say it this way, but like deserving of love and black children deserve love just like every right. other child. Right. So, you know, we want to, as parents, provide this crusty layer. Right. But we can't forget to provide the softness of heart, because when you're sending your child out in the world, you know, maybe they will, but they or maybe they won't. But they are going to be in a relationship with someone. So you can't send right. someone out there that's so encrusted that they can't right. be loved and they cannot love another person. Right. That, right. that, that there's the balance, right. You want, you want to provide sure. realism you want to be realistic, but you also mm-hmm. want to show them through modeling and show them through other means that, you know what, your vulnerable, soft, loving spirit and heart is extremely valuable. And someone is going to appreciate that. You know, I say that to my daughters all the time, you know, someone's going to love you and you're going to want to love yeah. someone else. And you have For to sure. be open to that. And you're deserving of that. And you have to respect another person, right? So we're, we're teaching kids how to love. And so we don't want to forget that. So I, that's just one thing I would add right there. But it, you know it's, what, it's hard. <laughs> it, yeah, no. And, and saying that makes me think about our first conversation that we had when you talked about speaking positive affirmations to our children and yeah. when they actually first experience the, the idea of race. So when they start school. So as early right. as, you know, it could be daycare centers at like, you know, two and three or starting nursery school or kindergarten Mm -hmm. at four and five, the importance of speaking positive affirmations into our children when they are introduced to race, i.e. being in school with a diverse amount of people, making sure that they know exactly who they are and they're proud of it. Like you gave the story about your daughter going to school and her hair and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about that beginning phase of the introductory, you know, conversation about racism and where it goes from there? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I am a firm believer. I think I said this the last time. Love is a revolutionary act, right? Like, you know, just period. Love is a revolutionary act. The idea of loving someone and being loved is a revolutionary thing. Unfortunately, historically, you know, Black people did not have access to that on plantations and then Mm -hmm. growing up and, and up to this moment. So we have to speak to our black and brown children that they are valuable, right? They are lovable, that Mm -hmm. they are, you know, that they can do it, that they will face adversity, whether it's because of race or class or a myriad of other things, learning differences, ableism Mm -hmm. or or disabled, right? Like Mm -hmm. your children are going to face a variety of experiences. You have to continue to affirm their humanity when they walk out the door. Again, we're not enabling our children. We are empowering our children. Yes, empowering, absolutely. Empowering, (laughs) right. Different E word, right? Because mamas want to coddle and love. You know, right. it, it's Let me needed, tell you. right? <laughs> you know, but that, we got to be enable. me all day. I'll be trying to, yes, I'll be trying to, nah, coddle, like, but I know I can't. Empower. You can't do that. Empower, empower. You, you are strong, to be right? A, a balance. And I'm, I struggle with that, but thank God for Deval to, to be the voice of reason at time like that. Because uh, to be. It sounds like y'all got a good balance. Y'all got a good balance we, going on. We do. Well, we, we, we have a balance now, right? And this is, this is my concern because I've always been around young men. My father had a, a young men's group in a church called the Junior Layman where he mentored young men. I watched how he he mentored them. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. a, he's like you, you punch them in the stomach and then you kiss them on the forehead. You know, you have to, you know, give them that tough love, but then give them the, the soft love that they know that, hey, I'm here. But for a young woman, hopefully I have a daughter. Hopefully I, I have a daughter. Hopefully Amber, I have a daughter. Amber, he's still on that, Amber. Yes. Amber, send us the recipe. I said that Listen, three times. The you can't do that to your, your daughter. You can't just yeah. punch your daughter. As a father, I can't go in there and punch her in the stomach and be like, Psh, get up. You know, like, right, I, can't, like, I can't do that. So then the roles might switch. 
And I always wonder, how do I, as a father, empower my daughter without coddling her mm-hmm. and making her feel like, oh, you can always run to daddy, you know? Because I know words mean a lot, so I know you can empower them, but what other ways can I empower her? Yeah, the Are the we best speaking ways. about the the, 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 yes. the actual daughter that we don't have? Yes. <laughs> I love, yes. I love yes. how y'all are like, yes. oh my I just, God. I love if this. manifestation yes. was a person, he go. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, but, uh, listen, listen. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I will address this imaginary awesome daughter that y'all have. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. And why? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Because I'm, I am also raising daughters and I will say, you know, I, I tell my girls all the time, you know, you guys are black women, right? Like you are strong, Mm -hmm. you are capable, right? You need to challenge yourselves, right? Challenge yourselves and push yourselves outside of the things that you, and I would say, I guess this is with all kids, but challenge and push yourselves outside of the box of things you know that you can do. That's the right. first thing, right? Because right. when you when when we're learning coding, so like some of them are loving it, some of them are not. And in that challenge and push, you build the capacity for resilience, right? You, mm-hmm. You're right. building the capacity right. to like hang on to something, even if it gets hard and challenging, you know? So that's what you want for girls. And, I, and unfortunately, like the world has a way of like just, I, I don't even know, like reminding you of your of your perceived place within society, you have to challenge that, right? Like you have to say like, okay, you think that this is what I deserve, but this is actually what I think I deserve. And I'm gonna go Mm -hmm. for it despite what Mm -hmm. anyone says. So, you know, daughters, sons, whoever, pushing your kid to see their value, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of Mm -hmm. how the world values them. And I would say son or daughter, son or daughter. No, No, (laughs) definitely, definitely. You You know, I keep notes, right? Two things that you said already that I think I'm going to start to present to my kids all the time, first of all, is love is a revolutionary act, in particular, mm-hmm. black love. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. this is funny because mm-hmm. we were on the show Black Love, and people ask all the time, why does it got to be black love? Why can't it just be love? And I said, well, if you understood the history of this country, you would understand that black people were not allowed to love for right. a long mm-hmm. time. Yep. So showing love to each other is a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. And then secondly- Building the capacity to be resilient. I say this all the time to Kadeen. She's like, why do you do that? Why do you just trip the kids for no reason when they walk by? I'm like, I do that because they got to be resilient. All right? Get your ass back up. I tripped you. All right? She's like, you're on another level. You're on another level. (laughs) Listen, growing up in Brooklyn, you had, like, we went through this. We about to have child welfare services at our door. Like, uh, we heard you've been tripping your kids and busting their ass. Listen, I would be... Be so truthful. clean that shit up, Deval, before not, they take my babies. No, I'm not cleaning shit. it up. I'm going to be honest. All right, <laughs> Black people have had to raise their kids differently than the rest of America. And for yeah. the things that we have to do to our kids, people always want to say that we're, doing, we're parenting the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I don't have the leniency to let you go out there in the world and make mistakes. Because you make a mistake, you could be dead. You could you go right. to jail. Dead or jail. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. So I have to make you more resilient within my own home. Mm-hmm. And that's in part where you said earlier, Amber, was that black people don't have black kids don't have an area to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I find myself trying to teach resiliency more than compassion. You need and to that's te- because I more fear compassion. 
more well, yeah. I got, that's I what got, that's what that's what community 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 well you know what i'm saying like your home yes. is a civic space uh, you know here mm-hmm. i go on the civics train but like your mm-hmm. house is a civic space we have a family mm-hmm. constitution so we've all agreed that there are like four tenants that like you know respecting each other you know respecting technology you know there's two more that are have evaded me but like mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. there are four tenants that we live by and so within our family constitution because we treat our home like a community if someone doesn't right. do the dishes they're failing the community for breakfast time the next morning because now right. someone else has to come waste time to pick up where you left off so when you right. raise your family unit like a community you're building resilience you're building compassion to intertwine together at the same time so like all you have to do is just kind of shift I call it rebranding, obviously, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking always like, oh, like, how can how can we market this idea for my kids? Like, you just mm-hmm. want to rebrand it like y'all. This is a team. This is a community. Right. You're not being a good teammate right now. Like, how can you pick it up as a bet to make yourself a better teammate to be stronger for this family? And when you challenge your kid to be stronger for the family, and I say this to my daughters all the time, you got to be stronger for this family. You know, you're 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 putting someone else in a position to be strong for you right now. And that is unfair to them. You know, now mm-hmm. we all have our moments of weakness and we're that's why we are a family because we're here to help each other. But you're taking up more space than you need to. Right. And so when right. you push them to think that way, like, oh, man, like, I don't want to let down the team. Like, right. Like, mm-hmm. or I don't want to, you know, let down the community. Then you're pushing them to be resilient and to have compassion to think outside themselves, to value their contributions to a larger ideal, right? You're pushing them forward, right? And I say to my kids also too, like the three of y'all are like, I made you for each other, right? Like I made you guys for each other. Y'all got to have each other's back when we come out in this world because mommy Mm -hmm. and daddy aren't going to be here for the rest of your life. So you got to be able to learn how to survive outside of this space when it's all said and done, when I'm gone. And y'all got to be able to support each other when I'm gone. Yeah, no, you're saying this, Amber, because one of my questions to you was like, how do we teach our children to continue to advocate for themselves when we are not around? You know what I mean? Mm. Because racism as they get older is going to start to look different. You know, as they get older, we start to explain to them systemic racism. You can say that again, though. No, you can say it again. Racism is going to look different because our form of racism is not the racism that our parents fought against or our ancestors fought against. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just looks different. It looks different for them. So it's like that's a way to continue to tell our children that you know how do we teach them to advocate for themselves when we're not around naturally as parents our children are younger now so we feel like we can be the voice for them if need be you know what I mean if we feel like say for example our children are out in this world at at a extracurricular activity and we're seeing that there's some unfair treatment going on with the kids Mm -hmm. on the team or with a coach like we feel like we can step in and intervene but how do we then kind of allow our children to be their advocates how do we teach them to responsibly advocate for themselves you know some people were taking their children to protests so they mm-hmm. could see and be on the front line and see right. what that felt like you know um there are different ways to protest and i think my issue in the very beginning of all of this was finding out where i fell in this ecosystem of change right mm-hmm. what was going to be my role and at first all i wanted to do was take care of my household i wanted to be the comfort and support from my my right. boys and my husband that's what i wanted to be and then trying to figure out okay so how am i going to evoke the change that i want to see so do you have any tips for people with children that were just like you know what how do we continue to teach them to be empowered as they get older so first of all like the idea of being a comfort right to your kids and your husband is not 
an ennoble idea. That is still a noble, very noble idea. That's awesome. That's super dope. Um, don't downplay that because especially right now with COVID, and like everybody's is, is downplayed a lot now. Yeah, right. Like, true. I'm sorry, but like women are doing a lot of the lifting to keep everybody sane in the home. And that wears on you too. So do not think that that's ennoble. That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I would say though, like if you want to like take it a step further, we, we actually had a podcast about like what's next, right? Um, you know, there's a lot that you can just do in your home, obviously donating, obviously, um, you know, just lifting up the voices of other people, educating yourselves and your kids, right? Like I went into hardcore, like African-American studies light with my daughters, right? Mm -hmm. I pulled out the history of the Caribbean because they have Caribbean ancestry. You know, I talked, you know, I pulled out documentaries and, you know, I just wanted them to be ground, firmly grounded in Mm -hmm. who they were right? You do not want to have a black child leave your home. And Mm -hmm. this is for anyone raising black kids, right? Even if you are white raising a black child, listening to this, you are doing your child a disservice if you let them leave your home and they don't understand Mm -hmm. the history of who they are and who they really are, right? Yeah. So I would say that like, that's, that is a revolutionary act that there in of itself, leave it, raising a confident, a well-aware Black child. (laughs) That is part Mm -hmm. of adding to forward progress for this country. Yes, Um, I agree. I will also challenge, like, teaching your kids to speak up for themselves, right? My daughters are... That see super dope. My daughters are super comfortable calling out injustice, right? And they're not Mm. doing it in a way that's like you know rude, but but they'll just say, um, you know, hey, I think that that's kind of like not cool or not fair like can we or that person sitting over there by themselves i tell my daughter i'm like hey was there someone at the lunchroom and this is back when school was in session was there anyone Mm -hmm. at the lunchroom who was sitting by themselves did you invite them to your table you know was there Mm -hmm. a kid playing by themselves so advocacy it doesn't always have to be racially motivated or racially charged but teaching your kid to speak up for others teaching them that they have a responsibility to include others in what they're doing right and, mm. and they don't they're not obligated but you should right like if someone's playing right. by themselves bring them in right um that helps you grow as a leader that helps you grow as an ally mm. you know other people look to you like oh man that that person's super dope like let me you know see what i can do to support what they're doing right, right? um you know also, like, you know, my daughter was recently um, in the Times for a video she made on digital blackface. She researched digital blackface. She researched blackface in America. Wow. Her friend, yeah, wow. her friends were <laughs> changing their Roblox avatars to black people in support of Black Lives Matter. And so she didn't feel a whole right movement. about that. Go ahead, a whole girl. movement, <laughs> right? Yes. She's like, right, right. okay, what in the world? So she, I, I said, look. You can handle this however these are your friends. So she made a video. Instead of making those people feel bad, she made a video about it, an educational video about it, put it out there, and it was picked up. So, like, I'll say, you know, like, teaching them to use their voice in creative ways, too, that's also part of this process, right? So, you know, hopefully I provided a few examples no i think no you you, you definitely provided that was uh, great. a few examples and i know we're going to keep you around because we have to do listener letters yeah can you do you have like a couple more minutes just for us to do yeah, these yeah. Listener letters we have yes. two yes. okay great no great. but um i think i think this was good it was a lot of good information you yes. know because as a father you, you wake up every morning hoping that you ain't mess your kids up yesterday yeah, so man. hearing from a professional <laughs> You know that okay, you're doing all right. You're doing all you know you're right. doing all right, Deval Kadine. That kind of makes me feel. And I feel like feel you good. know what naturally, Deval, you and I, we've spoken about the fact that we were those 
children back in the day where we would see someone alone or by themselves or I wasn't clicky with one particular group. I kind of like spread the love throughout everyone. We moved around. And I can see that already in Jackson. He's the same way. He's the same exact way. I've told the story before about a child in his class feeling um, sick. Jackson went to the bathroom with him. He had a little accident and the person, the the, the child came back and told his mom, the reason why I asked Jackson to go with me was because I know that he wouldn't make Make fun fun of of me or tell anybody. You know, so that made me feel good because I was like, look at my baby having compassion. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's empathy. Layers of empathy. I love that. All right, I so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back more with Amber um, as we get into our listener letters, which is now Deval's favorite portion of the show. <laughs> he likes to say that's my favorite part because I'm nosy. However, quiet nosy, as it's son. kept, it's Deval's favorite portion. So we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here... They're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. 
Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for sticking around. We're back. We're going to get into the listener letters portion of the show. We kept yes. Amber around because, of course, we love to have some expert opinions mm-hmm. when y'all write us in, you know, so we can give you a nice full answer. Yes, yes, <laughs> so yes. I'm going to jump into the first question. All right. I am an interracial. Um, I am in an interracial same-sex marriage. I'm Jamaican. Boop, 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 boop. Yadi. <laughs> Link up. I am Jamaican and my wife is white Caucasian. I was adopted and raised by a white family. So growing up, I've always been deemed the whitest black person, which drove me crazy because I'm so articulate. (laughs) She said, Jesus, take the wheel. We're looking to foster and adopt children in the future. However, although my wife is aware of systemic racism against people of color and has been present for racism that's taken place against me, I don't know how prepared she'd be to handle potential issues that take place when we have children. I'm sadly prepared for the continued racism that we will experience as an interracial lesbian couple and are aware that we will likely face similar challenges when having children. My question is, would it make sense for us to take courses or work with coaches, etc., to get us to better understand how to navigate life as an interracial lesbian couple and how we can do our best to protect our family dynamics and children's identities in the future that's a lot she, i thought that was three questions but nah, honey child that was, that was a question. whole loaded question yeah. Yeah. Listen, a whole a loaded question yeah but um i think it was a very well thought out question and clearly yeah. the fact that she is already knowing that she's going to have to have these conversations with her partner with these future children um amber can you chime in and tell us what you're thinking maybe the best approach she's asking particularly yeah. about courses or working with coaches what would be the approach here you think yeah the best approach um I believe would be to do some sort of counseling or coaching, right? Just so that you guys all have the same baseline, right? Like you want to make sure you're speaking the same language. You want to make sure that any feelings or emotions that you have, you have the techniques and the skills to work through those, right? Um, You know, the fact that your wife is your wife means that she's jumped in the trenches with you. So she's about that life on some level already. Um, Right. right. You know, like, right? Like, (laughs) I love that. She's about that life. Okay. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) She's like, yo, you're it. You're the one. Let's do this. So like, you know, because of that, like you're already marching in a somewhat uh, similar direction. I would, I would definitely try to get some sort of counseling, you know, just just to make sure that y'all are all on one accord. Because when you bring kids, when when it's two adults, you could be like, I don't like you. I don't like you. All right. Peace. Bye. It's over. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 When you sprinkle in kids into a situation, you're sprinkling in nourish, uh, nurturing. Love languages are very different. Levels of understanding Mm -hmm. are different. You know, your partner is going to be a white woman raising 
and if you guys adopt children of color, like black or non-black children, like there's a lot that goes into that, uh, understanding that, you know, needs that aren't, that might not be intuitive needs to this white, your white female partner, right? Your wife. So like, there's a lot of education that needs to go into it. And, and, you know, all kids are the same, right? But society creates the differences that are around each child. So hopefully that mm-hmm. that's helpful. You yeah. know what I've noticed that um that is very problematic for me with interracial couples is not the couple, like you said. It typically is not the couple. This person loves that person. There's nothing wrong with that. Once you sprinkle in children, I always tell a story about the young man on my high school football team. His dad was white, his mom was black. We're walking around um King's Plaza during a half day and we all have on, you know, our football stuff, but we were congregating in more than groups of four. And during the time it was stop and frisk. So we're walking around King's Plaza and it's they the mall. they yeah. said to us, this is the mall in Brooklyn that we look like a gang. So they detained all of us, put us in handcuffs, and we're waiting there and they're like, you know, we're calling parents. So his dad comes in and his father's white man comes in and just like, What happened? What's the problem? So then his son was just like, I don't know, we were just walking around and they detained us and he was just like, They wouldn't just detain you for no reason. And I was like, but like, uh, yeah. I was like, bro, he, he has no clue. He's just like, no, I don't want to hear that. What were you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, and he mm-hmm. immediately treated his son as if he was in the wrong. And then his son, you know, looked confused and was just like, what do you mean? Like, this happens all the time. And he's like, that doesn't just happen. You must have been doing something. Get your shit and let's go. And here I am saying to myself, his father's probably not racist. Right? right, but his his father probably doesn't understand the black experience, and when mm-hmm. you don't educate yourself on your partner or what they've gone through, when mm-hmm. things like this happen, it can be very problematic. Remember, we watched American Son. Mm-hmm. American Son, it was Kerry um, Washington. With Kerry Washington, yeah. um, she played a black mom who was very protective over her son. Had a white father who was a police officer. The son ends up getting pulled over by the police, and they haven't seen mm-hmm. the child in about I think it was like a day and a mm-hmm. half. So they were like, where's my son? Where's my son? The cop is asking all of these questions as if his son was going to mm-hmm. be treated like a, a typical white inmate. And he wasn't. His, his son would end up being murdered. I don't, don't want to give the movie. would end up being murdered at the hands of police because he was moving in a manner that he thought was okay because as a young black man who didn't realize his blackness, he thought he had the liberties to mm-hmm. speak back yeah. to police and reach in his glove compartment and mm-hmm. things happen. And I'm like, that becomes problematic for me in this country when people say, oh, race doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does. We can't yeah. sit here and continuously act as if we we live in a, a, a freaking utopia. Right. We don't. Like, there yep. are things that need to be addressed in this country. And for people who do date interracially, yeah. there's a lot of work that needs to be done yeah. on both parts. For sure. And, and, and there shouldn't be a downplaying of one's experiences versus the other experience. Because I think sometimes Absolutely that not. happens mm-hmm. as well, too. Like, oh, Deval, I, I can't experience what you experienced as a black man, and I'm your wife. And right. I don't attest to believe and, and, right. That's true. and, and be able That's to true. feel and understand every emotion that you may experience as a black man, as a black father, right. raising black sons. So I think having the compassion and having the foresight to say, you know what, I I may not understand your particular experience, but I can at least empathize. I can listen. I'm willing to learn. Right. Those are some things that I think would work particularly in this scenario. Well, I'll, I'll even go a step further because I was having a debate with one of my castmates who's a black woman who was talking about dating outside of her race. And she has mm-hmm. said it's not her responsibility as a black woman to teach a white man her history. And I said, that. I said, listen now, if you choose to date outside of your race, you also 
have a responsibility to not only teach him but learn mm -hmm. his history so you can understand where his blind spots may be. Because yeah. some of his microaggressions may come from him not knowing. Mm -hmm. You know how many people I know, white and black, growing up in the public school system, do not know the true history of this country. So when you say yes. things like systemic or systematic oppression, they're like, I don't even know what, is what that? that is. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. you expecting him to understand your plight as right. a black person is kind of unfair. Absolutely. You got to educate. Mm -hmm. You know. Can I just say I'm so glad that you said that because I... I run in a lot of circles where people are doing anti-racism work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, black mm -hmm. people say, well, I'm not teaching white people. And I'm of the, I will teach whoever will learn because that's one right. more person Facts. who knows, right? right. It's Facts. exhausting work, right? right? But mm -hmm. we just, a friend of mine was like, we don't have the numbers. And she's right. Like, we can't just say, assume that people are going to magically learn about black culture and black right. history mm -hmm. just because the information's right. on Google. You got to know what keywords yeah. to type in to get the right information Absolutely. to begin with. So, like, yep. I, like honestly, you don't have to be that one person on your job teaching every white person <laughs> right. what it means to be black. Right. Right. <laughs> don't put yourself <laughs> out there like that. You right. know, don't do that to They're going to be like, here she go again. Here she's she coming again. <laughs> Exactly. But I will say like, yo, like if you're in a relationship with someone that's non-black, you know, whether they're Asian or Hispanic or white or whatever, yeah. like you got to bring them along because they've jumped into this pit with you. Yes. Right. Like they don't mm -hmm. they might not know what they got into. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Thanks yep, for saying that. Know. Thanks for saying that. Oh, my goodness. Amber, thank you so much you yes, know, for Amber. taking time to chat with us again. And I feel like there's so many untouched uh, areas that we could speak about, but we may have to have her back because we have oh, some definitely, stuff. Definitely. We have some Amber, stuff in the works, Amber, that I think you would be great to chime yes. in on. So, um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time. Go kiss those beautiful girls. Tell everybody us. where they can find you. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. You guys, first of all, thank you guys. Y'all are the best. I love you guys. Y'all are amazing. No great doubt. examples you, of like you, just two people just doing the best that they can parenting and relationship wise. Please keep that up because we need Indeed. more great examples, you know, for real, for thank real. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. People can find me on Twitter. I'm better on Twitter than I am on Instagram and TikTok. So I'm at mom of all capes everywhere. Mom of all capes. Um, and then also check out our Let's K-12 Better podcast, you know. So, you know, we do, my kids and I do a lot of talking together as a family. So if you want to learn, how do I talk to my kids about topics? Check out our podcast. Dope. We do a ton of modeling at the Let's K-12 Better podcast. All right. So I think we should move into the moment of truth, yes. baby. Have you been taking notes? I didn't see you had your pen or whatnot. Well, first of so all, I, I see you kind of rusty because uh, if you'd like to be featured as one of our listener oh, letters, email shoot. us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. Give them the email one more time, baby. Yeah, the email is deadassadvice at gmail.com. Gmail That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail. Dot there com. you go. All yes. right. So then I guess is it moment of truth time now? Yeah, yeah you officially. Good now. You officially. Good now. After all I did all the heavy lifting, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Fine. Well, my moment of truth um was actually pulled from something Amber said, which I think is great because I love when we have somebody who's an expert in a particular field that I can just learn from and absorb. So my moment of truth is to be not an enabler, but an empowerer when it comes okay. to my children. Okay. And that can work for so many different 
areas of their life. Mm-hmm. Me be wanting to be the comfort, you know, for them and having to be able to fight all their battles and, and you know, not have racism or any of that being experienced by them. Mm-hmm. Um, but making sure that I am a place of comfort, yes, but also empowering at the same time. So that nice. was my takeaway. That was good. That was a good moment too. You like that? that? It was, okay, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. Okay, it was, it was all right. Lying. No, <laughs> I guess there's levels to these moments of truth. Yes, there's the levels. These moments of truth. So, the first one for me is love is a revolutionary act because mm-hmm. you know, Bomb. first of all, teaching your children how to love Bomb. can change the world. Absolutely, teaching them to love themselves literally changing can change the world, and teaching them to love people who look like them mm-hmm. and don't look like them can Facts. change the world. So, love is a revolutionary act. The second one is building the capacity to be resilient. Right. Mm-hmm. The way I've learned to build my children's capacity to be resilient is by giving them their history. Mm-hmm. Because if you understand the history of black American people, you see that we are a resilient people. For sure. And if you hear it's our history, eight. it is innate. I mean, if yeah. you think about where we came from in, in Africa, only the strong survived to get here to the shores mm-hmm. of Jamestown. Then only the strong survived slavery. Mm-hmm. Then slide, uh, survived the, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Then survived Jim Crow. Right. You know, like the strong are here. Yeah. So you have to think about the fact that you're here means that you're a survivor. And what that will do is in turn empower your children to be resilient because they realize that we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go, mm-hmm. but you can be a part of the fight. So this is amazing. Building I, the capacity to be resilient. For sure. Through history and through facts through history. and through knowledge. And we got some stuff coming up for and y'all through love. in the works. We do got some stuff coming yes. up for y'all. That's can't wait. Help I can't with wait this to for announce sure. this. Yes. I know. I know. I'm excited about it as well, too. So be sure to follow us on social media at we have an Instagram page now, y'all. I'll be let me tell you. Season four <laughs> has all the gifts. You guys are getting all the things, all the gifts. OK, um, dead as the podcast on Instagram. Yes. And then, of course, Kadeen, I am. And I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review and subscribe. I mean, wherever you listen. Listen, rate, review, subscribe, spread the word, all that stuff. Deadass. Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.
You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it.